Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Ian Simpkins as we continue the series Breakthrough. For more information, please visit us at communitychristian.org. Also, if you need prayer, we invite you to text PRAY to 630-793-6399. One of our prayer team members would love to pray for you. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30, 11.15 a.m. and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Welcome, everybody. Good morning. A special welcome if you're joining us digitally or wherever you are. If you want to just give us a little wave, we would appreciate that a lot. I was, uh, I was thinking this week about how important places are. Like, places represent memories and stories, and they mean different things for different people. And I was thinking about Naperville specifically and some of the places that have meant a lot to me and my family. And I thought Maybe, maybe first, I thought about the very first home that we moved into when we started here. We rented a house for a year in Naperville, and there's our uh, little house right there. There's a guy peeking in the window um, that I photoshopped. I added that. That wasn't, that wasn't there. That's just for drama. That's just for effect. But when I drive past that house, I think of our first year here, my wife and I not knowing what was going to be in store for us in the coming years. I think of uh, Maison Sabika. Anyone ever been to Maison Sabika? Yes, okay, delicious, but also that's where we discovered the, uh, the gender of our first son. That's where we opened the envelope, right there on the patio of Maison Subica. Now, I actually created a fake envelope that I gave to my wife first. When she opened it, it said, congratulations, you're having a sloth. And um, <laughs> I don't recall if she found that funny or not. Sources say no. Um, I think of Edwards Hospital where both of our boys were born. I think of whenever I drive past that building, I get a little choked up thinking about all the excitement and the fear and the terror and the joy and then watching my wife be carted out as I pulled the car around and remember all the excitement. I remember bringing our firstborn to that house home for the first time after he was in the NICU for a few days. I remember this room right here specifically where we brought him home. He's waving to all of you, by the way, just saying hello. And I know what some of you are thinking, that couch is now gone, by the way. We got rid of that couch. <laughs> That's, that's gone, don't worry. Um, but as my boys grow and, and they get, begin to see the world with such wonder, I think of uh, the DuPage Children's Museum. Anyone been to the museum before? It's remarkable and like watching my little son just like light up and play with these toys and just kind of grow into the person that God's making him to be. And one of the things that uh, he loves to do is that when I'm home, when I pull up home, he drops everything that he's doing and he grabs my hand and we go for a walk. And the place that he always wants to go is the corner of the biggest street in town where we just sit and yell at the trucks as they drive by. (laughs) And I'm sure we look insane to everybody. We just sit there and we'll just, clearly one brother's more interested than the other, but we just yell at the trucks. And every time I drive past that corner, I think of my boys. And I think of just time together. I think of even just this last week, my eldest and I, we went out trick-or-treating around Naperville, and this is us trick-or-treating there. And just the... (laughs) Just the memories that that holds. What a time to be alive, am I right? Uh, <laughs> I think of a walk that we took earlier this summer. He loves to walk on the river, so the Naperville River Walk there is a really special place. And I was looking at this photo this week, just remembering how long he stood there, just watching the water, and then remembering that's the same place that Katie and I walked up and down and prayed before coming here, asking God, would you guide us? Would you direct us? Is, is this of you? I remember standing on this stage with my bride just a few years ago and you all prayed for us. 
And you extended your hands and you said, we are with you through thick and thin. This is our family. And so when I'm standing even in this place, I'm filled with all sorts of emotions and all sorts of reminders of what a joy it is to be a part of a church like this. What a joy and a gift that you have been to me and to my family and how I I really can't imagine life without you. Places have tremendous significance. Places matter deeply to all of this. And so as John mentioned, we're continuing this series and we wanna talk a little bit today about how God breaks through in places. And as we've been saying, this is a six-week series, but we believe that God also has us in a much larger season of breakthrough. This series will last six weeks, but we believe that God is up to something in our midst that maybe we've never actually seen before. And in a lot of ways, we decided that maybe the best for us would be to go back to the book of Acts, the very first description of the early church. In fact, a lot of these descriptions have a lot to do with actual spaces, actual places. This is easy for us to miss sometimes because sometimes I feel like we read the Bible like we're, like we're reading a movie script and they're not real people, they're not real places, but we forget that this was written in a very unique, specific place and time. In fact, in Acts chapter one, this is Jesus to his disciples. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What are those? Those are places. He's saying this thing started here, but it's not gonna end here. It's gonna have reach way beyond what's happening right here. And if you're not familiar, I wanna show you a bit of a map to kind of really get a a picture of what's going on here. The the map of the terrain and the places that they were. He said it starts in Jerusalem. He says you're gonna start in Jerusalem, and then you're gonna head to Judea and Samaria, and then eventually to the very ends of the earth. And if you read through Acts, That's exactly what happens. It starts with the disciples proclaiming this good, scandalous news of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And then under persecution, they're then scattered to Judea and Samaria. And then eventually it's carried to the the very end of the earth. The whole second half of the book of Acts is about how the people of God brought this very, very good news of the resurrected Jesus to the ends of the earth. And here's the crazy thing. It doesn't stop in Acts. It doesn't. In fact, 2,000 years later, we're a part of that same story. We're the continuation of what happened in this very specific place of Jerusalem. A lot of ways, we're the recipients of that story, but we also are the ones who carry the baton forward. We're part of that story. Now, when it comes to community specifically, there's probably a lot to this story maybe that you don't know. I wanna give you kind of a quick history lesson about some of the aspects of what we've seen God do in and through this church. It started right in Naperville, Illinois, March 5th, 1989, when Dave and John Ferguson launched Community Christian Church in Naperville Central Cafeteria. And just to give you like a visual, just to get there visually, here's a picture of community at their first year anniversary. There they are, look at those. Good looking. I think John needs to bring back that beard. Who's with me? That beard. Also, this was the very first guy to be baptized at community. You know his name? His name is Steve Martin. He was a wild and crazy guy. Um, nah, I'm sorry. Um, but it doesn't stop there. As many of you know, nine years later, March 1998, we launched our second location in Romeoville. Next, we sent a couple hundred people to launch Plainfield in 2008. 
In January 2010, we launched our Aurora location. And then most recently, we launched Downers Grove in February 2018. And I am absolutely thrilled to officially announce to you that we are about to launch not just our 11th, but our 11th and 12th location through Community Freedom at Joliet Treatment Center and Fox Valley Transition Center in Aurora. How good is that? Come on. Come on. And we get to be a part of that. And in fact, that's just a glimpse. Perhaps you've heard us say that we're one of 10 locations, soon to be 12 locations in Chicagoland, where we see God doing things way beyond what we even knew to dream or ask for at times. And we're a part of that. And the thing that I wanna talk to you about today is that this movement isn't done. It's amazing to celebrate what God has done in the past, but I believe God wants so much more to do in and through us in the future. So the question is, how do we carry this good news of Jesus forward? How do we actually do that? What does that actually look like in our lives to be a people who carry the mission forward to the very real places of our life, our neighborhoods, our jobs, our communities, our cities, our blocks, whatever it is, how do we actually do that? So I wanna look back to the book of Acts because I think the apostle Paul actually has some really practical wisdom for us here in 2019 about how to actually do that. As I mentioned, the the second half of Acts is really all about the mission of God, the good news of Jesus being taken to the very ends of the earth. And Paul's been traveling through what's like modern day Turkey and Greece. And in Acts 17, he comes to the city of Athens. And he gives this address that we'll talk about in a second called the, the message at Mars Hill. And so he finds himself in Athens But the thing that I find so interesting is that for the Apostle Paul even, who's arguably the greatest theologian of all time, it was hard for him to kind of get through to the city of Athens. There's like a very real struggle there. So so what did Paul do? Well, first, I think Paul listened to the city. Now, this may seem odd because we think of like listening to people, but we we don't often think about listening to a city, but I think that's actually really, really significant. If we wanna see this mission go forward, we have to learn to actually pay attention to the very specific places that God has placed us. Now, in in, uh, 2010, my brothers and I actually went to Athens, Greece, and I got to stand on the rock of Mars Hill and read Acts 17 to my brothers. It was a really special time just for us, but I want you to kind of get a visual of what it looks like. So these are two pictures standing on the Mars Hill rock, and one is overlooking the city of Athens, and then right over our shoulder, that's the Acropolis there. So I want you to put yourself in these first century shoes. You're overlooking this great, sprawling city, and then right over your shoulder, there's temples and statues and inscriptions all around you. The people of Athens loved intellect. They consumed new ideas the way Americans consume fast food. They, lo- they loved diving in and thinking and pondering, and Athens was sort of like the capital of philosophy. So a lot, of, a lot of thinkers, a lot of deep, deep thinking going on. And so Luke describes this in Acts 17, verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jew and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace by day. And with those who happened to be there, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. 
They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, which was like a, a gathering of like 24 philosopher elder types. They were like the lead thinkers of this area, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you were presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. And I love how this passage ends. It says, uh, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So they loved new ideas, new conversations, new topics, new things to kind of tickle their brain. Like that was just sort of the culture they were in. And this town was sort of, it was like full of a bunch of professional beard strokers. Like picture like Gandalf the Grey wearing a toga, and you're like close to the image of what Paul's talking about here, what, who he's addressing in this community. And they had heard all these new ideas, and so this is how he responds in verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see in every way, you're very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your object of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription. Listen to the inscription of this altar. To an unknown God... So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. So pause. Paul's saying, you have all these gods, all these deities. In fact, you're, you're trying so hard to cover your bases. You even have one that says, and also to the unknown one, right? Just to cover our bases. Also maybe to an unknown God. The Athenians loved knowledge. And so Paul's tactic here is to talk to them about something that they don't know. This is his lead-in. He doesn't jump in first just with a bullhorn. He observes, he listens to the city. He picks up the culture of the people. He wants to understand what really makes them tick. He starts by listening and observing. And here's what happens in verse 24. This is Paul saying to the Athenians, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. I imagine him even maybe pointing to temples. This God, the one true God, doesn't live in these buildings that we build. He's not served by human hands as if he needs anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. He's quoting poetry and philosophy that this audience would have known. And he's saying, listen, you have all these temples and all these buildings and you think that that's where the gods live. I'm here to tell you that it's an entirely different reality that's happening right under your noses, that the true God doesn't live in these buildings and he doesn't really live in any kind of space that we think that he does and I think Paul's wisdom and how he approached the Athenians actually has a lot of application for us today. In fact, there's a, an author and a pastor named Richard Gorman, and he talks about observing the four Ps of a place. The four Ps of a place. If you're a note taker or a photo, I would encourage you to, to memorize these because I think this is an incredibly helpful way for us to think about our own places, our own spaces in our actual life. The first P is pain. What are the things that are draining the life out of your city or your neighborhood or your job or your community? And every place has them. What are the things? It could be loneliness, anxiety, addiction, depression. What is it? What's the pain point in your place? The second is power. 
And this could be city government, school boards, or even a homeowners association, but every city or neighborhood has a, has a certain focal point of influence. Do you know what those actually are in your city, in your town, where you live, work, and play? The third P is pennies. This is essentially understanding the local economy. What kind of jobs make up your community? How is money spent? And the last, which is maybe my favorite, are parties. How does your community celebrate? Because here's why this is important. I think what a city celebrates shows you the heartbeat of that city. Is it high school sports? Is it music? Is it art? Is it all the above? Is it none of the above? What, what is it that your community celebrates? What does our community actually celebrate? So Paul starts by listening, by observing, by really picking up the culture of these people, but he does not stop there. In fact, there's a verse at the very beginning of this that maybe you missed. Because Paul, for him, it's not just a cerebral exercise. Remember what it says in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was, what's it say? Greatly distressed. He's walking around and seeing this great architecture and these statues and these marvels and his heart breaks because he knows those things can't actually deliver anybody. He's not just, for him, it's not just an intellectual ascent, like how can I win this argument or how can I back him in the corner? His heart breaks for this city. Does our heart break for our city? Our hearts should break for the things that break God's heart. Paul walked around and he saw this worship of stone and wood and gold, and he knew that's never ultimately going to deliver. Paul looked at the idolatry, and he doesn't just listen. He also feels. He feels deeply what's going on. And if we're going to help people find their way back to God, we have to feel too. It can't just be about getting all of our theological ducks in a row, or it can't be about having like an airtight strategy or mission, as good as all those things are. We have to actually feel. In fact, I found some statistics about our own state of Illinois here. Here are a couple that were kind of daunting to me. 15% of adults are clinically depressed. More than 10% of adults suffer from some form of substance abuse. Loneliness is now an epidemic affecting up to 47% of adults. Fentanyl deaths in DuPage County alone were up 76% in 2018. We should not be okay with that. And not just in a cerebral cognitive sense. That should feel like a bass note that resonates in our gut to say, God, our city hurts. And our city in particular often hurts privately, don't we? We have the things that we hide behind to make sure no one really knows the pain or the heartache or the sorrow or the grief. Does our heart break for our city? These things break God's heart. I think they should break ours too. So Paul both listened and felt, but he doesn't stop there. He also set out to reach. He doesn't just sit in the thinking, listening, feeling. He also says, let's do something about it. He writes to another church in Corinth this way. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Translation, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. I heard one pastor say, we'll do anything short of sin to see people find their way back to God. Whatever it takes, we're not satisfied anymore with the brokenness and the heartache that we see from people far from God. We are God's plan A. There is no plan B. Of all the methods God could have chose to reach the world, he chose us, the church. And yes, 
I say continue praying for these breakthroughs in this big, dramatic, miraculous sense, but I also think maybe sometimes we need to be the breakthrough in our cities, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, to not just listen, to not just feel, but to set out to reach, to say, all right, we're gonna do something about it. So I want you to think about those four Ps again. And think about your neighborhood or your city or your job or your family, whatever place God's bringing to mind for you. Where, where are the pain points? What are the power dynamics? How's, how's the money spent in that space? What does that community celebrate? And ask God, how, how can I be present in these places? Just wanna give you quickly four challenges. And again, if you're a note taker, I think this might be helpful for all of us to kind of wrestle with this week. The first is to look up. Just do some research, just a quick internet search. Like, all right, what makes up my city? What makes up my community? Just get a 30,000 foot view of like what, it actually, what life really is like, what's really going on in that space. The second is show up. Just show up. This could be a city council meeting. This could be a school board meeting. This could be an event. This could be a game. Just show up. Learn and meet people while you do it. In fact, I want to challenge you to keep showing up for this series. Some of you are like, I don't know how I feel about this whole Jesus thing or the Bible thing. That's awesome. Would you commit to keep showing up for the rest of this series? Doubts, worries and all, show up. Just show up and be present. Number three, follow up. And as you meet people and as you read things and as you connect the dots, follow up. Have another conversation. So often I think we worry about being interesting. I think it's way less about being interesting and way more about being interested. We get so worried about like, I don't know that I have enough, say, enough to say or my story is unique enough. It's so much more about just being interested. Ask the people of your community what it's like in their shoes to live in their world a little bit. And then last, suit up. Suit up. I'm gonna say this as graciously and as boldly as I possibly can. It's time for us to roll up our sleeves. It's time for us to get some dirt under our nails. The, the very ends of the earth that Jesus spoke of, it continues with us. What are the places that God has placed you specifically in? Because here's the point. You're the only you in your family. You're the only you in your neighborhood. You're the only you at your job. Whatever God has given you and wherever he's placed you, it's not an accident. The ends of the earth continues with us. And here's the thing, it doesn't always go well. I love how this whole story ends in Acts 17. It doesn't always go well, even for the Apostle Paul. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. Some of them scoffed. Some of them said, no, that's a little too weird for me. That's a little too strange. But others said, we want to hear you again. Tell us more. I'm intrigued, I'm interested. I don't know that I'm ready to sign on the dotted line but tell us more. Sometimes people may sneer. They may turn their nose up at us. They may say, I don't, I don't need your whole Jesus thing right now, man. But if we keep listening, we keep having our hearts broken and we keep reaching out, I believe that God will do a work in us that is so much bigger than any one of us, than our church, than a denomination or a movement. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that moves. Where is God calling you to connect with the pain and the power and the pennies and the parties of your community? We are God's plan A, and there is no plan B. So we're gonna close in a little bit of a different way, and I wanna give you two prayer challenges. The first is I want you just to pray individually 
for a breakthrough in a place that's kind of come to mind for you. It could be your home, your favorite coffee shop, a school, whatever it is. I want you to close your eyes, bow your head. Just take about 30 seconds and pray that God would break through in whatever that place is for you. Pray that out to him. Secondly, and I know, I know that this will be a stretch for a lot of us. I want you to get together with just two, three, or four people around you and to pray and ask God for a breakthrough in this place. Right here, wherever you're joining, wherever you're watching, wherever you're listening, that God would do a work in our church, in our family. And if you're not comfortable praying out loud, that's fine. Someone in that group of three or four just sort of take the lead. But let's fill this room with the prayers to our God because the same news that Paul brought, we get to bring. We live because he lives. The tomb is empty. So God, would you give us a burden for this city, for this place, and for this church specifically? So take just about 60 seconds, couple up with a couple people around you and pray that God would break through in our church family. church lifting our voices up to you and I know that you love the sound even more God help us to see our neighborhoods our towns, our communities and our city with your eyes help us to listen more break our hearts God for the things that break your heart and would you help us, God, to reach this city for you? Would you do a work in us and through us that only you can do, God? Thank you for the privilege of joining you in this work of redemption. This church is yours, God. Do a work in and through us. We thank you and we love you. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.